What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 164, I finally got the episode number right after saying last week was about a month ahead of schedule, and I posted it as uh, two months ago's episode. So I don't know where my head was at when I was posting that, but I will fix all of those issues so it comes up right in your feed. Uh, good show planned for you today. We have some news, not a lot, because there isn't a lot to discuss on the MLB situation. Uh, football, where some players, we have five names, where they may end up if they are traded from their current teams. Uh, I, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I did want to touch briefly on the, the NFL's decision to not investigate or punish Dallas at all for their recent lawsuit settlement. Uh, and Super Bowl recap, of course. But let's start with MLB. They've had a series of meetings over the past couple of weeks, which have gone absolutely nowhere. And uh, if, if you know, you're somebody like myself who's tried to defend baseball at every turn, uh, it, it, it's frustrating because you can't anymore. There's no defense for them. Uh, these guys are going to sit there. Millionaires are going to argue over pennies to them and then have the nerve to invite us back to stadiums and charge us $9 for a hot dog. So I guess the meeting the other day was, as we're recording this, it was yesterday, was 15 minutes, and then they just stopped talking and said they were going to have to postpone spring training. Uh, MLB said that. The Players Association, uh, you know, uh, did not agree with that. They said it was not necessary. They're not sure what MLB is talking about. So they can't even agree on disagreeing. That's where we're at. And pitchers and catchers were supposed to report a week ago. So, yeah, if, if you're a baseball fan, your schedule is probably going to be open for a while heading into spring. So I wouldn't worry too much about making plans and having them conflict with watching the game. This is just disheartening as a fan. Completely disheartening. It, it's not even it's not even anger. It's just, do you guys really expect to do this every time? Every time you have a labor dispute, act like children, sit there and blame each other, when you all have enough money to live 10 lifetimes, and your everyday folks out there just trying to work and get by, who you know pay these ticket prices, exorbitant ticket prices, are the ones who don't have the entertainment you provide, and we're supposed to feel bad for you. This league is just going to drive itself into the ground. It's it's. I'm not saying they're going to disappear, but their relevance is going to take a massive hit. You could see. I mean, NBA has already made a threat as the number two, yeah, sport in the United States. Um, hockey could make a run at number three uh, if MLB doesn't watch what they're doing. Now they have a, again, it, it, this is, again, with the MLB making their own deadlines and just, I, I don't know the rationale behind it. They did it last year with the the same thing with the whole COVID situation. So they have a stated February 28th deadline to get this done. Now, I, I was concerned last year. I don't think it was around. I think it was a little earlier than this time that, uh, you know, hey, we got a year left on the CBA and, you know, they're not making traction. Now we're a week and a few days away from that deadline that they self-imposed and no agreement. Like you no. just said, 15-minute meeting. Now they have plans for ones next week. Uh, 
or should I say this week, because um, we're in the new week, uh, as early as Monday, reported by Jeff Passan. I'm not optimistic. These guys can't agree. It's millionaires and billionaires trying to agree on dollar figures, uh, you know, co- uh, compensation for free agents. They're trying to figure out DH, is it full league or half league? Um, super twos, uh, when players hit free agency. It's like stuff that it is important, but why you couldn't hammer this out throughout the year, why you couldn't see this coming and you couldn't figure out, Hey, where can we have middle ground on uh, some of these issues? You know, you want players to hit free agency at three years. We, we like it at six years. Maybe we're willing to give here. Where do you want to give elsewhere? So we can kind of meet in the middle. It doesn't seem like that happened. It doesn't seem like that happened, Chris. It seems like Ben is so mad he just he just took uh, it out on his microphone. I, I yanked so my worked uh, up. my 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 cord a little bit. Sorry. It happens. It happens. Um, it just doesn't seem like they were able to have these progressive conversations. It's almost like, oh yeah, the CBA is going to be up in less than a month. Hey, let's start conversating now. That's I don't know. I don't think that's exactly what happened, but it on the surface, that's yeah. what it looks like right. what happened because now we're, we're at critical mass here where their self-imposed deadline pitchers and catchers were supposed to report. Uh, spring training is now pushed back to start on the 5th of March, which is that a guarantee that's going to happen on March 5th? No, no. It, it, it almost seems like we're going to head into another strike. And I don't think, and we've discussed about this before, this league is not in a good spot to be able to, to deal with a strike, whether it's a quarter year, a half year, a week, two weeks, any kind of strike that happens that seeps into the major league baseball season is going to affect the game for years. And unless you can drastically change the way the game is played, and, and reduce the reduce the time, increase the interaction. As you just pointed out, reduce those prices because those prices are insane for a league that has no appreciation for their fans. Absolutely. And MLB is notorious for not being able to, you know, for lack of a better term, read the room. Uh, yeah. And anybody who's ever – anybody who's, who's who's knows the history – of Major League Baseball, like the real history, like back in the beginning. Uh, if you haven't, I, I highly recommend you watching uh, uh, Ken Burns' documentary, Baseball. It's 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 something you can do when your team is not playing because they're on strike this season. You can catch up on that. Uh, it's 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 lengthy. I think it's like 11 parts or something like that. It's it's probably a total of over 20 hours, 25 hours of content. It's, it's really, really good, though. If you're a real diehard baseball fan uh, who actually loves the game, um, then it's I highly recommend it. But the history of the game is riddled with disputes and play stoppages. And it's it's you know the old phrase those that what is it, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it or remember their history. Something along that. Yeah, I'm 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 you know paraphrasing, but it's something along those lines. MLB just seemingly continues to forget they've 
been down this road over and over and over again. And every time they do, they get less and less popular. Now, obviously, they gain popularity somewhere because when it was a little, it was a fledgling league back in the, you know, early, you know, eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, when it had a lot of the early labor disputes when workers anywhere didn't really have any rights, honestly. Uh, you know, these guys were making minimum wage and they weren't treated well and they were under contracts that, you know, some of these players would be thrown in jail if they didn't honor. I mean, that's how crazy it was. So over time, you know, players, you know, kind of tried to, you know, rise up a little bit and get some more rights. And then they started making more money and they got the right to be free agents. And then we have the game we have today where. I mean, it's not necessarily equal footing because the person paying the salary will always have a leg up over the person receiving the salary, but uh, there are far more rights, and I don't disagree with the fact that a player making the team a ton of money, they have they have the ability to screw around with his service time and keep him from being a super two, which would allow him to be a free agent sooner. I don't allow, I don't agree with that. However, it is really difficult, and this is where MLB can't read the room, like I was saying. It is really difficult. To even say, you have a minimum salary of one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year. You get flown around, a, a, a bust around. You don't pay for your own transportation. You don't pay for your own food. You don't pay for your own hotels. You make two hundred grand a year to play a game. We're not going to play because we want more. Because we don't like the fact we have to wait five years for that instead of six, or 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 six instead of five, whatever it may be. Why gas is five dollars a gallon and people are struggling to put food on the table. Now, you and I certainly aren't rich, but we're both pretty fortunate. We're not we're not in that exact position, but a lot of people out there are, and a lot of those people are baseball fans. Like they go go to work, come home, turn on the game, and watch it, and instead, they get that complete waste of a sports executive known as Rob Manfred, uh, and 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 these player reps acting like they're being victimized. And, and we're all supposed to feel for them, and we're all supposed to just come running back the minute they decide they want to get back on the field. I don't know about you, but unless they do something to drastically, drastically improve the product on the field and make it more exciting, MLB is going to be hard-pressed to get any of my money for a very long time. I, I look at it like this, Chris, is – some of the most exciting time for the NBA and, and NFL is that free agent period. Uh, and there's a lot of money thrown around and you can, you can look at it and say, well, all these big figures being thrown around at a time where people are, you know, suffering. But I think those sports are able to not make it so much about, that and they make it more about the product on the on the field or for nba the court um and the problem with and because there's so much attention like there's there's so much action in their games uh independently that that you can look at that time period and say oh this is exciting my team just picked up three top-notch free agents Mm -hmm. and they just spent all this money that's great. Now my team's going to be able to put a, a great product on the field. And then I can see that translate into the regular season and possibly Super Bowl success. Uh, you just saw what the Rams did um, and all through 
the the you know free agent period and and draft and even into the season where we trades or or free agent acquisitions you could just you're a rams fan and just see how that translated to the field and you can at least for me i don't want to speak for anybody else for me i can i can take that and say i can remove that that dollar figure from the equation and just look at it as a fan and appreciate sure my team has put the effort on the field from and it and it's translated from front office to head coach to the players and i think that's where the disconnect with with mlb is is that they're making it entirely about themselves mm -hmm. and not the product on the field because as i've talked about before you've seen the nba try to fix little things mm -hmm. here and there obviously not big things the biggest thing in the recent history for nba is the three-point shot and that was 60s i think yeah somewhere around but there yeah they tried to fix it here and there and nfl tries to fix it here and there um even looking at hockey they they've done things where they've you know they've tried to put a little laser a little uh light on the hockey puck to help people see uh, during telecast, they put up nets to protect fans. You know, they've done little things here and there to adjust the game. And that's where MLB falls flat. They just, they don't want to make too many adjustments each and every year. They don't want to make any adjustments to reality. And it's, it just comes down to when we're talking about MLB, it's just about that time of the year where it should be the most exciting. And it usually falls flat. And mm -hmm. we're talking about hot stove. It used to be buzzing. It used to be exciting. Now it's turned cold. And now all we're talking about is money. All we're talking about is how to get the product back on the field because they're in this labor dispute. And we had this situation last year happen where they couldn't agree on things. Mm -hmm. And now it's dragged into this year. It's just going to affect the game. It's just the end of the, it's just I don't know when when it'll be the end of the game, but you're gonna start seeing the talent diminish because other these these younger kids who play two three sports in in high school they're gonna start looking at you know huh if I go to college for uh, a scholar, uh, a sports scholarship am I gonna go for baseball am I gonna go for football am I gonna go for basketball am i gonna go for hockey yeah no. kyler you might want to work it out with the cardinals right <laughs> baseball baseball may not be there for you to fall back on right um it, it it just it might come down to that and and as you can see um with recruiting the the parents have a a, a huge say in in mm. where these kids go and they're going to sit there and, and these are you know, 30, 40, 50 year old adult, uh, year old adults. And they're going to look at it and be like, financially, I'm looking at this league and it, it's great that we just, you know, the report came out that Soto got a, a $350 million. Uh, what was it? 12 year. Uh, thir 13? It was 13 for three fifty. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Which is great. That, that gives that kid, you know, uh, sustainable wealth throughout many generations. If done, mm -hmm. done appropriately. Yep. But can we start seeing those numbers come down? And as a grown adult, you're gonna you're you have a, a child, you're gonna look at that and say, Where can I see the, where's the growth happening? Is it is it in MLB or is it is it the NBA? 
you have one of the richest contracts signed by a player, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. And I think, what, year, two years, maybe three years, we're going to see a deal that just looks at that and says, ha, that's funny. Seems to be how it goes every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's kind of my sense on this whole situation where the NBA, the NFL are, are, are pushing forward and, and trying to be innovative and, and trying to bring product to not just all, all groups of, of people, but also they're trying to center down on, on one demographic. Uh, and that's the younger demographic. As you saw, uh, Nickelodeon was, uh, I believe, uh, telecasting games at the end of the season, or yep. they were doing yep. playoff games. Or mm-hmm. like, just that's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge deal to try to get that young demographic. That way, they can carry them on to the their adulthood, and that's the smart play. And boy, MLB is just concerned about getting on the field, and that's a problem. Yeah, and I mean, just real quick, I mean, we, we're not, we're not going to get too deep in the money because we talk about it a lot on this show when it comes to sports. Look, we all know sports money is monopoly money. And I, to make one thing very clear, I by no means am faulting any Major League Baseball player for wanting to get what they perceive their value is at all. I know it's crazy to sit out there and say, oh, does this person deserve this? Well, when you're, you know, when you're Juan Soto and you just saw somebody get, what, Max Scherzer, just got an average of what 40 40 million a year 45 million a year from the Mets something along those lines and an uh excuse me annual average salary whatever it is and then they offer you what they offer you and you can look at that and go well that's that's insane why would you turn that down 13 years for 350 that's that you know that's that's average of a little under 27 a year uh, most people would jump on that However, if you're Juan Soto and you realize that they make $80 million a year off your name and somebody else who just left that team last year went somewhere else and got 40 per year, uh, you know, you guys have a right to go, well, wait a minute, I want a little bit bigger piece of the pie here. You're making all this money off of me. Agree with it, don't agree with it. Sports money is all monopoly money. My problem isn't that. I have no problem with anybody making their money because anybody out there listening, I know I, I can get in this boat, who had the opportunity to to play a child's game, essentially, and make asinine money that would set you up for 10 lifetimes, would do it in a heartbeat. Somebody comes to you tomorrow and offers you a job other people don't think you're qualified for, but they say, I'll give you $10 million a year for the next five years. Yeah, you're going to jump on that. You're going to learn real quick. So anybody out there saying they wouldn't is lying to themselves. The problem is... Major League Baseball is like that friend we all have that has to post everything on Facebook. Everything. All the drama has to be brought up because somebody else has to look bad. You got the NFL and they have their issues, but, you know, and I disagree with a lot of things Goodell does. But for the most part, things are kept pretty tight and in-house until the resolution is there and then you just learn what the result is. NBA, to an extent, same way. NHL, I mean, I, I know I make jokes about it all, all the time about the 10 NHL fans in America, but realistically, you don't hear a whole lot of stuff whining and crying coming from their league office either. Baseball, everything. Everything. Like, if the commissioner secretary is on a paperclips, like, that's a problem, and everybody's got to know about it, and it's got to be a thing, and it has to be a thing with the CBA, and then you have to get the players' union involved. 
Oh, we didn't agree on paper clips. It's not in the CBA. Sorry. It's always something stupid and pointless. And they have to bring all this stuff to, att- to attention. So it, the problem isn't making the money. The problem is when the core of your fan base is struggling right now, you're making plenty of money. None of you are hurting or starving. And you're going to sit there and say, well, we're not getting our fair share while you have a, a, a diamond-studded watch on your wrist. You drove up in your friggin' million-dollar car. And you got five chains around your neck that probably are the equivalent of most people's house value. You don't really have a leg to stand on there. And you look like an a-hole. I guarantee you, Patrick Mahomes is in that same spot. He's standing in front of a blank wall in jeans and a t-shirt because he's smart enough to read the room and know, maybe this isn't the complaint I should be making right now. I make plenty of money. Maybe I should go somewhere else with it. And that's what you get with the other three sports leagues. Real quick, with, with the whole COVID situation. You know, NFL had the luxury of kind of seeing how it was dealt with before they started, but they handled it fine. Okay, we're not going to have fans in the stadiums, or we're only only a low amount of fans in the stadiums. I think it was like 14,000 for that first Chiefs game. Uh, in, in a stadium, it was 80,000. Uh, and then, you know, uh, MLB did the whole bubble down in Orlando, and there was, you know, there's some, some growing pains with that, but for the most part, that worked out absolutely fine. Uh, NHL has had, you know, to figure out their own things, especially with so many teams having to come back and forth across the border of Canada and the United States. That's a whole different set of problems. All three of those leagues figured it out. They got it set. They got a product on the, on, on the field, on the ice, on the court. MLB was still sitting there whining like a bunch of petulant children about, we don't want to play 72 games. We want to play 71 games because it's going to, uh, our salary, our, our rate of profit is going to be 62% instead of 61%. It's just, those are all made up numbers. I have no idea. But just random, stupid nonsense. And it's fine because it happens in every boardroom, whether it's a major company or a sports organization, but they keep it in-house. The only, the only other large entity that lets this much childish bickering go back and forth publicly is our federal government. (laughs) And that's not what you want to be compared to when it comes to public relations, let's just say that. Wow, you, you you hit all the points, Chris. Um, if I could give any, like, I don't want to say insight, but just like from my perspective, when I look at the money being thrown around, uh, I think you pointed it out correctly. You know, they, they live in this different world and they're looking at uh, people on equal footing, how much they're making. Um Think of it like your own personal brand, because that's how athletes look at it is yep. their own personal brand. Uh, even though Mahomes pay, plays for the Chiefs, uh, um, Tom Brady played for the Buccaneers. You got, you know, um, Joel Embiid plays for the 76ers. Uh, Giannis plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. They're looking at their own personal brand, though, and and yeah, they're making hand over fist for this organization and the organization pays them uh, a ratio. It's probably not comparable. Um, but then they find other ways to supplement mm-hmm. that. Uh, but they're comparing, each, they're comparing, you know, uh, Giannis is comparing himself to Joel Embiid. Uh, Tom's w- was comparing himself to, to Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. So 
when you look at and that's how you you need to look at these when these contracts come out when the money figures are are finally uh detailed um for public consumption look at it like that don't look at it like i'm making this much money compared to patrick mahomes 50 million dollars over his contract because you're never going to be able to enjoy the sport if you consistently look at it like that now i'm not setting aside what mlb does because that's they make it completely all about that and they 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 have this arbitration process where it almost seems like it's an attack on each other if, if you know what i'm talking about chris yeah absolutely uh, Yep. Where, where basically, if, if, and I'll put it simply, um, you have three years of arbitration, and if you can't agree on the number that the organization wants, then you go into arbitration, and you put a figure out, and the, uh, uh, the team puts a figure out for an arbitrator to decide, and you basically tear each other down in front of an arbiter, and they get to decide which one they choose they choose one of the other figures they don't go down the middle so it almost seems like a system from top to bottom from the time you're drafted uh which they on record have the worst drafting in history they have there's no appeal during their draft no the nba lottery draft lottery where it's only 15 teams that they're picking out of an envelope frozen or not you can debate that all you want um has more excitement than the actual mlb draft but if you look at it like that i think you can appreciate the sport more uh, as brand to brand and and don't think of yourself as part of that that competition you can aspire to be that but don't don't sit there. I never liken myself to, to Tom or, or Corey Dillon or Andy Moss, you know, their contracts is I know what they do. I know what game they play and they've achieved greatness in their, um, in their sport because they worked hard and they had an opportunity to make this kind of money in a sport that has given them so much. And I think if you can just, if you do that, you can appreciate the, the whole game more than if you're a salty fan and I'm not saying you're salty or I'm not saying anyone else is salty, but if you have that kind of mindset where, you know, they're making this much money, they're making this much money. That's not fair to me. Then you, you can never appreciate it, but you can look at the MLB and say, they make it completely about the money. That's all they're about right now. It's just the money. And you said it perfectly. They just can't read the room. Yeah, and they make people not care. That's the thing. Being, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nerd from way back when. So, uh, I, I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid, and the product isn't great these days. Granted, but still, like, there's an old phrase like, doesn't matter if they cheer you or boo you, as long as they react to you. That's a good thing. Because if they hate you, they're going to buy a ticket to come see you get your ass kicked. And and you're going to make money that way. If they love you, they're going to cheer you and buy tickets to see you win and buy your merchandise. And you're going to make money. If you come out and there isn't a sound, there isn't a peep, or people are just 
a different kind of booing. There's we don't like you booing and get off our TV booing or get out get out from our eyesight booing. That's what MLB has right now. I, I know people who've been lifelong baseball fans who aren't even angry. They're just done. They're they're just they're not they're not up for the constant every couple of year circus that they they the, the players association and the league put on in the media where they're both a victim and they, they want this and the other side you know, we're the good guys they're the ones keeping us from playing and and it's it's nonsense and people went from love it hate it don't care and that's that's the worst thing that could happen to them all right so on to some NFL, which is a little bit of a, a more upbeat topic to some extent. Uh, not necessarily this one, though. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, it was, I think it was earlier this week, the Dallas Cowboys uh, settled a lawsuit for $2.4 million with the team's cheerleaders uh, because there had been accusations of uh, voyeurism. So for those out there, uh, I wasn't actually not familiar with that term. <laughs> I had to look it up. Uh, it, it apparently people uh, within the, within the organization, uh, whether it be executives or I don't know, guy who works the, the the soda stand, I have no idea, were apparently taking videos and photographs of these women in um, not exactly situations they would want to be taken in, unbeknownst to them, obviously. Um, there was not a lot released on it. Other than Dallas just settled. Well, there was there was a story. I didn't. I thought I sent it to you, but I guess I didn't. Well, okay, but I mean, it wasn't. Here, here's the thing. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and so, we have to be very we have to be very careful because everything is alleged. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's fine. Um, I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying because you, you have to say that everything's alleged, yeah well but, but okay. go ahead Chris so they're not they're certainly not allegedly playing 2.4 million dollars for nothing so let's just say that no too. no 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 um okay so you have earlier this year you have the John Gruden incident where he you know, a bunch of his emails come out and he was using all sorts of racial slurs so he's yeah. banished from the league scrubbed from the memory and nothing else has heard about it he comes out files a lawsuit and says. We're going to get a lot of these emails out because I'm not the only one who talks this way. Nothing else has heard about it. Okay. So you have this, and then you have the Dallas situation, uh, which is, you know, we don't know what went on, truthfully. But we know enough went on to warrant a settlement without hearing much else about anything. And look, yeah, there's stories, but I'm talking about Big, constant, mainstream attention. Uh, I mean, and, and am I missing any other other scandals or, or, or stupid activities? Obviously, Deshaun Watson, but that's ongoing, and there's a lot unknown about that. I mean, there's the obvious Snyder, but I mean, that's... Snyder, all these actually, things. Did, did you hear the new news on Snyder, though, what they're doing now? No. Uh, I just saw it today. The... Now... <clears throat> Take it for what it's worth because it's the NFL hiring this person. Uh, the ex securities and exchange uh, chairman, uh, Mary Jo White, is investigating the uh, situation now. So they brought in an, a quote unquote independent 
uh, person to look over any new allegations. So it's someone with experience um, and she did the investigation on Jerry Richardson on the uh, work basement misconduct, which got him out of the, out of the league. But I mean, there's, there's, there's that, but there's what I would say about the Dallas situation. Um, Chris, if there is a name attached to it as far as the uh, Dallas Cowboys be. And, and I was looking at the story and it seemed to only come out because the guy literally just retired on the 2nd of February. Uh, I'm going to screw up his name, but his name is Richard Darpley, who is the longtime senior vice president of public relations and communications. For the Cowboys? For the Cowboys. All right. So he, and, and there was a whole, uh, someone at work uh, showed me a diagram of where he was supposedly taking pictures of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And he was supposedly going to a different location of the building. And the diagram kind of shows you he had no business going to where he was at. There's also, yeah. You think? No, I mean, like where he was going didn't translate. Oh, even even that of what he was doing aside. Yes. Yeah, okay. It, It didn't make sense where his excuse was I was going to place X. And where he was at made no okay. sense. Plus, they have passcode uh, cards, um, which could account for where he was sp- where he was going, and that hasn't been released. Video hasn't been released. Basically, it was handled internally by the Cowboys. Okay, well, especially with, with, with the league having, I, I get all that. I really do, I, and yeah. I, I, I understand. I, I look that ha- look. Stuff with Daniel Snyder and, and, and Washington's been going on forever, and and the league can't for some reason, mm-hmm. for some reason the league cannot access those documents without Daniel Snyder's approval, as they said. We really? have that's that's what that's it can't access without Daniel Snyder's approval. Daniel Snyder, one of the biggest a holes of any owner in any sport, hands down, maybe the biggest. He's in the top five, got to be top five at least. We have, you know, Alvin Kamara out there beating the crap out of somebody at the Pro Bowl weekend. We have, um, you know, we have apparently allegedly owners offering coaches incentives to throw games. We have uh, this whole thing with the Cowboys now. We have the Deshaun Watson situation. And the league is just kind of like, oh, ho-hum. This is the same league that brought Tom Brady to the Supreme Court over 2.2 ounces of PSI in the damn football. Which, which Chris, if you remember a couple weeks ago. Which, oh that, yeah, oh yeah. By the way, it came out that they, they, they hid information that would have proven what anybody who passed fourth grade science knew. And that is, when it gets cold, PSI goes down. You know, if you've ever had tires and anything you've ever driven. I'm not going to get off on that. That's a whole different bag, a whole different can of worms. But you're willing to you know, die on the hill of, oh, even though Aaron Rodgers and Eli Manning, two favorites of Tom Brady haters, mind you, have both admitted to screwing around with PSI. Completely ignore that. Yeah. 
Brady allegedly does it. Not only do they think they have a right to his cell phone, his personal property, not, you know, Daniel Snyder's league property being in a league office in a, in a league-owned team or, you know, part of the league team. But they have a right to Brady's cell phone, but not Snyder's stuff. If Bill Belichick did any of the things that any of these other guys I just mentioned did in the last year, they tar and feather him and hang him from the ankles in the town square for everyone to shun him. I'll fight me on like, that. Fight me on that. Chris, they were, they were, there was people. Now I'm not going to say anyone in the league because I don't know for a fact, but there were people that wanted to possibly eject Robert Kraft from his ownership because he got a rub and tug done in what was it? Florida? Yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, a consensual, yeah, legal or not, there was no. Deshaun Watson that's going on here. Right. Allegedly. But we're going to defend Dan Snyder. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, and by the way now, by the way, by the way, uh, these women in Dallas who were non-consensually videotaped or photographed, allegedly, apparently don't have any rights either. Can can I put a... cover it up and pay them some money and it's okay. But... Can I put a little cherry on the top for the cake, Chris? Please do. Um... Now, again, this is an allegation. Supposedly a Cowboy fan who is watching a live stream from the team's war room during the 2015 NFL draft swore in an affidavit. Now, if you swear in an affidavit and it's found not true, I think yeah, they that's, can uh, that's bad. prosecute yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to do that. This, this fan is out going out on that. Saul, this guy who videotaped the um, cheerleaders, Take an upskirt photo of Charlotte Jones Anderson. Charlotte Jones Anderson. Who do you think Charlotte Jones Anderson is? I'd assume. To? I'd assume that's Jerry Jones' daughter or niece. Or you would be correct, Chris. That is the daughter of Jerry Jones, and she was also at the time the team's senior vice president. Now I don't. We don't know if it's true, uh, and the Cowboys have not disclosed anything about right. the situation but it's an affid- legal affidavit so clearly it was documented in, um, in court and it's for public consumption um, to see and all I'm going to say is this guy was in his position for 30 years and this is are we, are we seriously going to think that it's just these two incidences that happened well, it, it, hey, it's the same with the Gruden emails. Right. Why'd they shut that down so quick and then nothing else is available? And, oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the NFL cares about personal property rights when they drag Tom Brady and the Patriots through the mud because he didn't want to give up his personal cell phone. But now, you know, league office computers, which they had perfect access to when it was Gruden, but now two months later they can't because it might upset Daniel Snyder. Now, I understand. Whether you like somebody or not, there is legality in situations. I get that. But they had no problem getting them before. But now they can't get them, and it just seems to like go away. There's no news on it. I love the NFL. I love football. I I, I truly do. It's just my favorite sport. Uh, I grew up baseball with my first sports love, but she has left me and abandoned me. So she pushed me into the arms of another, <laughs> being the NFL. Uh, and I mean, so I love it. Don't have to love everything that goes on in the league office, and obviously don't have to love a lot of the nonsense. But the product right. on the field, I absolutely love. 
and they're going to be fine. The league itself isn't going anywhere. They're way too influential. But there's going to be certain key people, man, who if, certain, if, if things get out, if all this, everything is laid on the table, whew, you're going to oh, see a lot good. of things. A lot of things get shaken up. Uh, unless you have direct information to owners a la Jerry Richardson, um, there's going to be one person's head on the the slab. Roger Goodell. That's good. Roger Goodell. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I said his head was going to be on the slab after Deflategate. Um, I thought this was going to be, you know, the beginning of the end. Uh, obviously, it hasn't been because that was years and years ago. So I'm not going to go out on the limb and say that, you know, this is the time. I'm just going to say if enough crap is on the table uh, and it doesn't directly link to the owners, but you can start, you know, you know, one of those murder mysteries where you have that board and you you're you're taking your strings and you're starting to attach it all and it starts to feed to these owners. They're just going to take that string and just wrap it right to Roger Goodell and they'll find some other puppet to install into his spot. I'm sure there's dozens of people at league office who are ready to take over for him. Oh, he to, certainly... to make his $60 million a year salary. Absolutely. As he was more than ready to take over for, for Paul Tagliabue when, uh, when he was able to retire. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I love the product, but some of these people I can live without. As far as like being associated with the NFL, yeah, and I mean, look, we, we you know, there's, there's, I'm not gonna sit here and beat, we harp on it, but I mean, look, I, I get we've talked about the Deflate Gate stuff, I get we've talked about the Spy Gate stuff, and why we as Patriots fans think that it's not as big a deal as everyone else makes it out to be, and we see this in the stuff in the news all the time, you know, especially, and we're not gonna get political because we our heads can't fit that far up our asses here, but, uh, you know. This side thinks this is right. This side thinks this is wrong. But the same thing that doesn't fit any kind of consistent mold on this side is all of a sudden right because, oh, we just think it is. And then this side thinks it's wrong now. See it all the time. It's it, it's foolish. So I, I get I'm not trying to convince anybody. If you hate the Patriots and you hate Tom Brady, you're going to think what he did was the worst thing in the world. I'm just asking you, in the interest of consistency, as a human being, not as a football fan, to put some of this stuff into perspective. You know, put it into perspective and realize that something on the field that a lot of players were doing, allegedly, uh, it's not nearly, nearly as big of a deal when you're talking about money and competition and all this stuff as everything that's going off on off the field with the NFL right now. That's a much bigger problem and a much bigger issue. And the league would just assume, I don't know, find someone who was jaywalking and crucify them as opposed to try to piss off Daniel Snyder and get his records. It, it's going to come to a head. It has to come to a head at some point because people are not going to forget. And it's going to get ugly when it does. So just get your popcorn. That's all I can tell you. Okay. So we're going to start doing this a little bit, a little bit more uh, each week since NFL season is unfortunately over. Baseball has decided to, I don't know, put their head in the sand and pretend they're all victims. Um, did we ben, want to get into the, into the game real quick? Which game? Super Bowl. We didn't talk about. Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm about to, I'm about to just I'm I'm doing a I'm doing a, I'm doing a segue here, Ben. Come on, gotcha, man. gotcha. Work gotcha. with me here. Work with sorry, me. Here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, so I mean, you know, we, we, NHL. I mean, Ben Ben's 
a huge NHL fan. I don't know much about it, truthfully. I shouldn't admit that, but I don't. Ben's a huge NHL fan, and he rarely has topics to discuss. Uh, we have challenged our listeners to give us topics and haven't received any, so I assume that's still just kind of, you know, status quo. In the NBA, there wasn't a whole lot to go off on either. Uh, so what we like to do, because there's just so many ways to go with this, is kind of pick a topic every week during free agency, whether it be a top 10 list or a imagine if list or what would you do, what would your dream scenario be list if you had, you know, could pick five players or whatever. So this week what we're going to do is we're just going to, you know, we're not, it's not a deep dive, but because uh, we went a little bit longer on baseball than I thought we were going to. We have five names that have been discussed, uh, some of them ad nauseum, uh, as potential uh, trade candidates uh, in this offseason. So we're just going to pick, if we think they're going to end up on the same team. Uh, in some cases, there may be retirement as an option, and uh, or which team we think they'll go to and what that trade may entail. So we're going to start off. We're going to start first name on the list. Guy who's been rumored to be on the move since last year, since he didn't want to be in training camp, since he seemed pretty disinterested with the NFL in general and wanted to be a Jeopardy host most of the offseason. Aaron Rodgers defending back-to-back MVP. Fantastic regular season quarterback. Uh, You know, it's still out there. Is he going to go somewhere else? Are they going to trade him? Are they going to try to get something for him? The Packers have vehemently, vehemently denied he is on the block. He has said he's not sure what he wants to do, whether he wants to play, wants to be there. They don't know whether they're going to trade him, keep him. Nobody knows what's going on in Green Bay. What do you think the most likely scenario is? Come kickoff weekend, 2023, where is Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is mile high throwing bombs to Devontae Adams still. Same exact gonna... same exact thing I was going to say. He's in Denver yeah. all day. All day. And, and notice what I said there, Chris. He, he's going to be catching bombs, uh, throwing bombs to Adams. Adams is going to sign as a free agent to the Denver Broncos as well because he's a free agent. Okay. I, I don't know about that one, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, Adam seems to be a lot like Gronk with Brady. He can only be thrown to by one person. Yep. So, uh, we'll, and, and how know. do you, how do you coerce a, a deal and, and have Rogers put pressure on the organization to make this deal? Simple, whatever it's, which Mark, I, I don't know the exact date of free agent this year, free agency day one of tampering period. You're the Denver Broncos. You call up Devontae Adams' free agent, uh, free agent, call up Devontae Adams' agent and offer him a large sum of money and sign that contract. And now you coerce, now you've put the Green Bay Packers in a corner where they almost have to deal Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos exclusively. That would absolutely. Uh, that would that would be huge. Obviously, that's a you imagine the uh, AFC West. If you add, you know, you have Holmes and Hill, and then you have, uh, you know, another year of Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and that receiving core. Uh, Derek Carr, who apparently is going to get forty million dollars on his next contract extension, which is just absolutely absurd to me. Uh, well, it's a whole different topic though, but still, just absurd. Uh, is you know. 
going to be there with, with whatever they have, you know, receiving. Um, and now we're going to add Rodgers and Adams to Denver with, mind you, an already pretty talented receiving court. Keep in mind, receivers were not the problem. They got Tim Patrick. They have uh, Jerry Judy. They have Noah Fant, who I think is one of the most underutilized tight ends in the entire league. Uh, as much as I don't care for him off the field, um, man, Aaron Rodgers to Denver would be would be massive. Um, next quarterback, well, next player is also a quarterback, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks currently. Uh, a lot of trade rumors late heading into last season. Uh, I'm going to read you something that I found, and I found this very interesting. I'm going to read a quote here. Uh, it's from uh, Ryan Clark, and I believe... It's on. It's on some podcast. Cause, I mean, everybody has a podcast these days. So uh, he said, Russell Wilson is not an all-time great QB. He's never going. Oh, to, he's never going to be in those conversations. We have to stop putting him in that world. That any team that has Russell Wilson can win a Super Bowl. Um, that was a horse, that. Uh, quote I, by Ryan Clark, former. I heard that former, too. Was it, uh, played for the Steelers, right? Steelers, Steelers safety. Yeah. Steelers. I mean, look, you could not like it, but the only time Russ made a deep postseason run, much like Aaron Rodgers, was when he had an elite, elite defense and dominant running game. He wasn't the guy running around the field going crazy, you know, making plays left and right with no other talent around him. Every time it's fallen just on his shoulders. And look, you can still be very good and not be able to take a team on your shoulders. Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. We're talking elite creme de la creme level. Uh, you know, every time they've asked him to put it on his shoulders, it doesn't happen. They go on a couple game losing streak. Uh, you know, they just don't look good offensively. And it's like last year or two years ago started with, this is the year. Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook, which I don't know where that even came from. But let him let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. He does it, and he's going to win the MVP award in the Super Bowl. And he comes out when he has an, an electric first five, six games of the season and then drops completely off. Every player goes through hot streaks. But they maintain some level of consistency at to the level of the hot streak, if that makes any sense. Like, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to throw 400 yards of five touchdowns every game. He's going to a few times a season. But there's at least a level where, you know, you know you're good for 250 to 300 yards and a touchdown. Some kind of ratio there where he's still going to be able to be like, okay, he didn't have a killer game, but he definitely didn't hurt his team. You don't always get that with Russ. I mean, I know the argument isn't, is he elite or not, but I thought that was interesting if we're going to talk about him and bring it up a little bit. Uh, he's very good. There's be a lot of franchises far better off with him than what they currently have. But is he that... Is he that top tier? I mean, we saw this year with, with Josh Allen as Patriots fans. Like, this is the, 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 the third year in a row we've seen this kid have massive improvement. He got his contract, didn't skip a beat, didn't slow down. Uh, had one or two bad games in the middle of the season. One was extreme weather against New England. The other was an anomaly against Jacksonville, which happens. Uh, as much as we like to make fun of him for that, it happens. But that second game against the Patriots and that playoff game and, and, and just numerous games towards the end of the season, 
The man just made play after play after play with his arm, with his legs, got the ball where it had to be, made the, you know, carried his team, even when the defense didn't look great. You don't get that with Russ. You get that with Mahomes. You're starting, you're starting, I mean, I'm not going to put Joe Burrow in that level yet. You're starting to see it with Burrow. You're starting to see it with Herbert. Those guys have the ability to do it. Where they go from here, who knows, but they have the ability. You got to throw Allen in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, elite regular season, you got to throw Rodgers in there. I mean, Brady's retired, but he would be in there. It's a very small guy. It's the reason why it's elite and not the common, because right. it's very, very few. I don't put Russ in that category. We talked about this, God, it must have been a year, year and a half ago, yeah. about who the next wave of the really great quarterbacks is going to be. And Russell Wilson, we put Russell Wilson right there, heading up that next wave of dominant MVP caliber quarterbacks. And all he's done since then is not prove why he belonged there at all. I'm not saying he's not good. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's lousy or he's not good or they should just release him or he's a schmuck. Not at all. But elite? No. I agree with Ryan Ryan Clark. And I think, Chris, we put a caveat. I'll I'll speak for myself, but I think we, we agreed on this, that there was a chance that when we put him at that, you know, precipice of of elite there was also that chance that that the next group of young talented quarterbacks yeah might jump him pass him by yep like just you know as you see the old guard go away as as retiring that he could get jumped and be like well what happened to russ it's like well you know he was really really good and when it was time to make that next step to that top tier there were some kids, kids under younger him and kids younger than him that just kind of skipped right over top of him. Mm-hmm. You know, Patrick Mahomes has already jumped over him. Uh, one could argue Joe Burrow has jumped him, but you know, there's still some time for him to kind of uh, take a take a step back. But I, I think I would be comfortable to say that, that Joe Burrow is starting to ascend to that elite level already. And there's multiple other ones, and, and you brought up Josh Allen. You know, you could even bring up Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's on that precipice, but you know, and I remember when that comment came out, Ryan Clark got a lot of shit for that too. Oh yeah, but he was just speaking the speaking his truth, and and the truth is, he's got Russell Wilson has one Super Bowl win uh, in his rookie season, and his second go. One could argue it wasn't his fault because the play call, but he put it somewhere where he probably shouldn't have. And, you know, the history is what it is at this point. And he hasn't been back since. And he's got talented receivers. He has probably one of the most elite talented receivers in the game. DK Metcalf? Receivers. Him and him and Lockett are yep. probably top – three duo in the league easily and, yeah. he, and he's not able to to do it and i i will give him the fact that his running game is suspect because they keep trying trotting out the same guys each and every year um so i mean so what, is josh allen's also is the bills so i mean right so and now josh allen has made it to two afc championship games 
lost both of them. So now we're at that point where, okay, Josh, what, what are you going to be? Are you going to be that guy that can almost get there? Yeah. Or are you going to, you know, and that's part of the, the, the team's decision to see what they need to do at that position as well. But I mean, if you look at the, what the Bengals did, you know, they have Joe Mixon, but they decided to draft Chris Evans out of Michigan. They brought in, um, God, who's the, who is the guy that, uh, Oh, uh, Samaje Prerine. We'll get into that real quick. That dumb move in the Super Bowl, but they brought in other talent outside of the elite talent that they have at, right. at, at running back. Plus of what they did at receiver. It, it's just a matter of constructing the roster to best help your best players and your best player predominantly in this league is going to be your quarterback. And I, I have a location where he might go and I think it, it fits perfectly, but I'll allow you to go first this time, Chris. I think, I think personally, uh, if you look around the league and you look around what teams have the trade, salary cap considerations. I think a perfect fit for Russell Wilson is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, because Cleveland, while not completely unhappy with Baker Mayfield, uh, there's been some discontent with the fan base and Baker. It'd be a nice fresh start for Baker. And look, the man was injured, severely injured last year. He tried. He was hampered. He did his best. I don't know what more you could expect from him. But this trade works for both teams because the Browns get a guy who can win with a great running game and elite defense, which the Browns, maybe not quite elite defense, but they're very good and they're just a year or two, maybe not even, maybe it's this year coming up, from from meshing and, and, and working as a team and getting used to each other away from being that elite level defense. The running game is already elite. Even if Kareem Hunt takes off, they still have the other kid who did well filling in for him and Hunt, uh, Chubb last year. They have Nick Chubb. The offensive line is going to be just as good. That team is going to be fine. They just need that constant force at quarterback. And uh, Browns have pretty decent tight ends too, which Russ definitely knows how to utilize. Uh, they probably trade Baker and draft picks to Seattle. Seattle can... Have a year with Baker, hopefully healthy, and see, is he the guy? Do we have our quarterback and draft picks on top of it, which we can use to compensate for some we give up for Jamal Adams? Or, you know, we got to move on, but we might have, you know, a decent mid-round draft pick, depending on how, you know, Browns do. I think it would work. It'd give, uh, you know, uh, uh, Baker a new start with a very uh, loyal fan base that loves their team, that's always there to support them. They'd give Russ a new start with a team that has exactly what he needs to be able to do what he needs to do. That'd be my guess. I got an idea for you real quick. Real quick. Hit me. I, I, Hit um, me. So next week, you know, I said we're going to do some lists. We're going to you know dive a little bit into the, the nuances of the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take out, out the quarterbacks we consider to be elite. So we'll figure that out real quick. And then let's let's do a top ten list of if we had to start a franchise and could pick any quarterback, the order we'd pick them in. Now, we don't – there isn't an infinite cycle on these quarterbacks. Like, you could say, oh, well, you know, I would take Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you're starting a franchise, Aaron Rodgers might only have one or two years left, if any, if he doesn't retire. 
so you'd have to take that into consideration. Uh, so you might be like, oh, I would take Joe Burrow first. I would take so-and-so first. Um, who do you consider to be, right now, the elite-level quarterbacks, the select few in the NFL? Obviously, I think we both agree Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, who else would you consider? Would you consider Josh Allen? Yeah, I'd put Josh Allen up there. Anybody else? I'd have to, like, look at a list of them myself. All right. Well, what but... we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna agree. We're gonna agree on this, and we're gonna look at it, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna take out anybody who's considered elite level talent because this whole thing is to prove like where where certain players would rank in our opinion, based on, you know, not only current level but where we think they go in the future and how long they would have like we're starting a franchise from scratch and we can pick any qb we want but it's like a real real time trajectory here so like you're not going to pick aaron Rodgers first overall if he might have one year left Mm -hmm. i mean you might but you know so we'll give we'll we'll start at town like we normally do and we'll, we'll go back and forth and we'll you know briefly discuss who we're picking i think that'd be kind of fun to see where where we think these players stack up now, where they currently are and where their future could lead them, we're going to take all that into consideration when we make our list. Like, And the, and the two elite quarterbacks would be taken out. Like, essentially, the two elite quarterbacks would be taken out. Yeah, and if we agree on any more between now uh, and – which I really – I personally think there will be some that are in the future, but not currently right now, mm-hmm. elite level. Uh, you can say Rodgers all you want, but the dude can't win a playoff game. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's that. So, I mean, we'll take, as of now, we'll take Mahomes and Allen out because we know they'd be one and two in some form. Probably, probably right now, Allen two and, and Mahomes one. To kind of diversify the top ten. Exactly. To we, it, don't, we don't want it to be easy to guess because right. everyone's going to put the same top two or three. Right. So, you know, look at the list. And I, I personally don't have any other I would consider to be elite. If you do, you know, let me know and we'll figure out who will not be on the list or who will not be eligible. And then we'll make our top ten going for next week's show. I think that'll okay. be kind of cool. It'll be a nice talking point that we yeah. can kind of, kind of sift through who we think is at what level. I think that'll be kind of fun. So okay, okay. So I said, I said Wilson. I said Cleveland. And did you yep. give, you give me an answer? I, I'm sorry. I know. I, mean, I, I I stopped there because I saw her parents. Okay. So who, where do you think Russell Russ, Russ could end up? <clears throat> so where I think Russ is going to uh, end up is actually Indianapolis. Ooh. It's got the running game he needs. It's got some talented wide receivers that he can kind of work with. And the defense speaks for itself. Now, there is some offensive line concern because they have, I think, at least one, if not two of their offensive linemen are free agents. But you can figure that out. I I believe you can figure that out. And if you have to sacrifice your first-round pick, maybe you have to go two first-round picks for Russ, then so be it. But you're in a division right now with the AFC South. There's an opportunity because Jacksonville hasn't figured it out yet. And I don't know if they're going to figure out who they hire. Who they hire, Chris? Uh, um, 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 Why uh, is Doug, it Doug Peterson. Here? Doug Peterson. I don't believe it's gonna, they're going to figure it out with Doug Peterson. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Um, I, I will Texans, say this. I, I'm sorry to cut you out, but I think he will be much better for Trevor Lawrence. It would be absolutely. Uh, I don't think the Texans are going to figure it out. I'd like Lovey Smith, 
they, until they figure out Watson, which we'll get to, I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. And the Titans, they, clearly they hinge everything on Derrick Henry. And once once Derrick Henry starts to lose a step, and I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but it could be next year or the, or the year after, he starts losing a step, he loses his effectiveness. And you you insert Russ Wilson with Jonathan Taylor and pretty adequate, if not uh, above average, wide receivers. I think you you start you're starting to build something in Indianapolis where they can take that division and dominate it. And whatever you have to give up for draft capital in the first round, I think it's more than more than enough because you have the running back that he needs. He ha- you have a young Marshawn Lynch with more talent that you need. You have a defense that is built. I think you're all set there. All right, that's very interesting. I, I, I certainly – it makes sense, and it checks out. So we, we shall see. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my wonderful fiancé here just brought me more coffee as we're recording. <laughs> Earlier than we normally do, even though it's not all that early in the morning. Um, so let's let's move on to the guy who is Indianapolis currently, Carson Wentz. Uh, he has, I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in a list of delusional quarterbacks who think he's still starting caliber. But if you're really desperate for a quarterback, uh, he's he's not going to come with the same high price tag he has the previous season. So if anything, he's going to be hungry to prove himself again to get back into that high paid echelon, uh, and. Because I believe if he gets released by the Colts, I mean, they'll swallow some of the cap money, but then he'll be a free agent. He doesn't have this exorbitant salary anymore. He can go anywhere. And he still apparently believes he's a starter, despite having eyes that have seen himself play for, you know, the last five years. So, you let me go first on the last one. I'll let you go first on this one. Where do you think Carson Wentz ends up next season? I think he has to swallow some of his pride and go into a situation where he needs to fight. It's going to be, this is going to be, because we talked about this um, two years ago when uh, Marcus Mariota went to the Raiders. And, and even though it's not apples to apples uh, with, with Carr and, and Mariota, um, it was a situation where the, the incumbent wasn't performing to the standard of the ho- head coach that uh, was expected uh, because Mariota got usurped by Tannehill. I think we have a situation where Carson Wentz could go to an opportunity where there's a new head coach in position to where he can look at the incumbent. He can look at Carson Wentz and say, even if both of these do not ex- succeed, I will now have an opportunity in the top five, maybe a top five pick, even if it's a top 10 pick to go out and get my elite quarterback. that's coming out in the next draft. Cause I've, I told you many times, I hate this draw, I hate this quarterback draft. Yep. I think it sucks. And any of these quarterbacks uh, right now, as we speak, if any of these quarterbacks are drafted any higher than 20, you've made a mistake at. So for that, Chris, if I'm the New York Giants, I go out and get him. Uh, that's, I, exactly, that's I, I, yeah. Not crazy money. No. But oh, he no, no. Under, he understands that he is 
day one in a competition with Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones knows day one he is in a competition with Carson Wentz. Whoever succeeds is your starting quarterback. And Daniel Jones can piss him on, and Carson Wentz can piss him on. But guess what? Chris, you tell me, have either one of these established themselves as a starting quarterback for one of these 32 teams? No, absolutely not. And, and I mean, the Giants are a classic case of a team that, you know, can bring in good players, but that doesn't exactly equate to chemistry. Like we were talking about the Bengals last week. The Bengals have something you can't buy, and that is chemistry and players that legitimately play hard for each other. Giants brought in Kenny Galladay for Daniel Jones. I mean, didn't really see any improvement. Evan Ingram is a great tight end when he's healthy. You know, didn't really see a whole lot of improvement from Jones. You've seen kind of a a high-level backup is, I think, what I would consider Daniel Jones to be right now. Kind of the same with Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, if anything, Jones has more upside because of his youth. And, I mean, I know Wentz isn't old. He's on his second team already, but, like, you know, uh, some reason Carson Wentz has only been in the league like what five, six years, and it feels like he's a twenty-year veteran. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. If he goes anywhere, it's going to be the Giants. If he's going to be a starter, uh, he's going to have to compete with somebody because he's not going to any other team. I can't think of another team he would go to, and even compete for the starting job. Certainly, Miami's not going to put him over to. Uh, uh, for, for all, for all of his faults, if I'm the Vikings, I certainly don't put him over Kirk Cousins. I mean, Cousins makes mistakes, but I mean, he he also can get the ball to his ta- super talented receivers, and you don't want you don't want to waste the talent like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson on the the waning inconsistent arm of Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's the Giants, uh, and I. Still don't think it's going to end up very well, honestly. No. I think I think he can be a stopgap or somebody to – either he's going to motivate Daniel Jones to be what he needs to be, which remains to be seen, or he's going to be a stopgap until they inevitably get a top five pick in the 2023 draft, the 2024 – 2023 draft, yeah. Yeah. And can maybe go for their quarterback at a high position there or someone gets a free agent. They're not landing anybody like Aaron Rodgers. He's not coming to New York. Uh, if he couldn't handle the media in Green Bay, he certainly can't do it in New York. Uh, you know, he can't, you know, he's, they're not, quite honestly, if I'm the Texans, I certainly don't bench Davis Mills. Whether you've seen no. Davis Mills, I'm not saying he's the next, you know, coming of an elite quarterback, but Davis Mills looked really solid this year. Had more 300-yard passing games than any other rookie quarterback. He and Brandon Cooks had a great chemistry, great chemistry. And, I mean, for and a team. trade Watson? And gets, and and and, and yeah. he provides a a, I don't want to say top level quarterback play, but average to above average. And now you can supplement that with more talent to build for the future, like uh, by trading Deshaun Watson. Now you you know you're building something in uh, Houston that, and like I like I pointed out with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, there's opportunity in the AFC South to dominate this division. Someone can take it. And, yeah, I agree with you. Davis Mills needs to – at worst, Chris, at worst, Davis Mills is not the answer. Deshaun Watson gets traded, and you have one of the worst picks. And I'll, I'll, There is 
off the top of my head, four quarterbacks I would probably take in the 2023 draft in the top 10. I can't rattle all of them off right now, but I'm pretty sure there's four. Yep. And I'm probably missing one or two. Like, this is going to be – it should be. Everyone healthy throughout the season. Everyone performs to expectation. This could be a healthy draft in 2023 for quarterbacks. And you're the Texans. It's a win-win scenario for them. Yeah. I mean, and, and like to go from, to go from Watson, who before any of this, you know, was discovered about, you know, his, his extracurricular activities. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't say that to make light of the situation. We just, there, it's still a lot ongoing. Yeah. Uh, before we knew all this, Texans fans are probably like, dude, we had our franchise guy. This sucks. And now, now what? And along comes Davis Mills, who, look, I honestly think when you look back at this quarterback draft of 2021, you, know, you had your, your big five in the first round. Um, it's only been one year. So yeah. even guys, I mean, it's, it's easy as a Patriots fan to make jokes about Zach Wilson. He showed some things. He showed more than Sam Darnold has. Uh, we'll see where that leads. But it's too hard to tell after one year who's going to be a bust and who isn't. I will not be surprised if we look back on this draft class in five years and Davis Mills is a starting quarterback somewhere, maybe with the Texans, uh, because this kid has something. And I think they have a really good guy down there now in Lovey Smith who can help kind of make it a more positive culture and kind of, you know, bring this kid along. Uh, where, where it goes, who knows, but certainly you're not going to bring – Carson Wentz in there to, you know, overtake him. And, you know, <laughs> you don't have to – look, it only worked in Indy because they had a, a, a otherworldly running back in Jonathan Taylor. That's why. Like, Wentz without a running game is a statue, and he's not going to make it past the third game of the season because he's going to get the, the crap kicked out of him by the defensive line. So, I really think if he's going to go anywhere, it, like I agree with you with the Giants – uh, okay, uh, two more here. Uh, well, 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 okay, let's another segue here. We just talked about it. Deshaun Watson. Where, if anywhere, does this guy... It's starting to feel like this guy might never play in the league again. Which, if you said this two years ago, before any of this stuff about him came out, would have been absurd. But, I mean, didn't play all last year, wasn't suspended. And I totally understand it, by the way. I get the Texans not starting him. 100%. Yeah. You don't want that kind of drama and nonsense. But he's still an asset that's on their books for a lot of money. Um, if I were them and I could move him, I mean, he could have gotten a King's Ransom for him a year and a half ago. Uh, for them, unfortunately, now that is not going to be the case. Uh, you're looking at a situation where, truthfully, if you give a handful of second-round picks, you might get the guy. Uh, which brings, if you're a franchise that does that, you have to be in such a way right now where you can justify taking the potential media circus and the fact you might not get on the field. It has to be worth it to you. That that downside has to be worth it based on not seeing any potential upside. I don't see a whole lot of teams like that in the league. I don't think anyone touches this guy until the legal issues are resolved, truthfully. I'm going to go with the assumption uh, with, with, with making a decision here that 
everything has been figured out. And he's going to play. And I thought there was too much smoke um, with Miami not to pick Miami as a landing location. I understand. I like Tua. I know they like Tua. I think they'd be more than willing to go Watson over Tua and then deal Tua in another kind of separate deal, not to Texans, because I don't think if I'm Nick Casario, I'm not taking back Tua for all the points we just made about Davis Mills. I think it just makes too much sense. So you can deal Watson and get that draft capital that he probably wants without having to deflate it by uh, taking back Tua. Let Miami figure out the quarterback situation because you're going to, if you're the Texans, you're going to sit back and say, we have Davis Mills. If we bring back Tyrod Taylor, great. If we don't, we're going to bring in someone that has backup experience that can support Davis Mills as a legit backup, not someone eyeballing to take over the spot. Um, I, I understand every quarterback wants to take the spot, but there are enough quarterbacks out there that have understood that they are not a starting quarterback, that they are a backup to support the starting quarterback. Uh, so if I, I think Miami will take that stab. They'll deal to it in another uh, uh, move, and they'll see what they have uh, with Deshaun Watson because they have Jalen Waddle. Because if they resign Mike Kosecki, they have Mike Kosecki. And they could bring in more – I believe they can bring in more talent. They still have Devontae Parker. I think they have enough talent on the field uh, outside of running back, which I still concern myself with. But as we've seen in recent history – that running back talent is is seeping into the second round, and you can grab one of those oh, guys yeah, yeah. in the second or third round if you're smart enough. And I don't think um, the new head coach, he's not attached to Tua. He might appreciate what Tua can do, and he might see some things in Tua. Uh, he is from the uh, what uh, Kyle Shanahan you know, coaching tree, so they, they like their wide-open – offense so maybe that might tailor to Tua but I mean if you can if you could tell a head coach hey you can have Deshaun Watson and his off the field troubles is done or you can have Tua I think they're going to lean Deshaun Watson just because he's got proven track record on the field Um, he's a little more dynamic than Tua he's a little more consistent than Tua he has a bigger frame than Tua uh even though I like Tua, I think I would like Deshaun Watson just a little bit more. Yeah, well, the, the Dolphins' new head coach has already stated that he thinks Tua is his guy, so you're probably right. That probably means he's impending his impending doom is upon us as a starter of Miami. <laughs> uh, if we're going to go into the assumption that all of Deshaun Watson's legal issues are, are behind him, which we know they're not, but we're assuming that for this exercise, uh, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh then because – they're not a franchise that's accustomed to losing, and they're going to want to bring in a guy they know can win right away. And he can certainly Watson with uh, with 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 uh, with uh, my God, the young running back, Najee Harris. I forget his name. Najee Harris and a receiving core uh, on top of his mobility and a decent offensive line, and we all know what that defense can do. Can do a lot of damage. They could that'll put them right back in the in contention in the AFC. 
Uh, and the Roonies are smart enough. Uh, say what you want. Don't like Pittsburgh. No one can ever accuse the Roonies of being stupid uh, and, and not doing their due diligence when it comes to hiring. Uh, that's why they have so few firings in their history because they know when they bring somebody in, it's the right person. So if they're yeah. going to look at the Watson situation, they're going to bring him in. Um, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Pittsburgh. I don't think he goes anywhere, but we're assuming everything's done and over and, and Watson's cleared and he's fine to play. Pittsburgh. All right, one more on the list before we do a, a brief Super Bowl recap. Um, Calvin Ridley, super talented receiver for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, we all thought he'd be the guy for the next five, six, seven years, uh, you know, when they traded Julio Jones last season to the Titans. But it appears now that, you know, guy to take some time off for, for you know, to get his mental health in order this season. You know, good, good for him for that. No knock there. You know, you got to take care of yourself. Uh, but, you know, we thought this guy would be a key piece in Atlanta, along with Kyle Pitts, for some time to come. And all you've heard since, I don't know, probably at a week or two before the season ended is, is where is Calvin Ridley going to end up? They're going to trade him because they know Matt Ryan's on his last couple, you know, if he's not done there already, he's on his last couple seasons there. Uh, he doesn't have long to go. They have pits to build around offensively. You know, where does Calvin Ridley end up? I've seen a lot of people say in New England that they send a, a second pick around down there whatever second round pick and and you know, other other um oh god i cannot think of words this morning uh conditional conditional draft picks yeah. down to atlanta for uh for calvin ridley i don't i don't that doesn't that's not a patriots move that's not something they do uh i, I really don't see that personally i think they're rather happy with maybe picking up a free agent and having you know kendrick Bourne and jacoby myers hopefully they bring him back and letting them grow with mac jones I don't really know where Ridley would end up, truthfully. Um, I could see him ending up on a team that is just about at the cusp, maybe, but not quite over the top. I could see him ending up on a uh, L.A. Chargers team. Okay. Chargers, he and Keenan Allen, and you got Mike Williams as a deep threat. You got three really talented guys along with a good running back core with Justin Herbert, who just seems to get better every game. I could see him there. Um, you don't really think a rebuilding team would trade for him, so you couldn't even see him in Houston. I couldn't see him in a Houston. Uh, Pittsburgh has too many receivers. Buffalo probably doesn't have the cap room, and they, they have a pretty good situation there, as do the Chiefs, Broncos, especially if everything plays out and they end up adding Devontae Adams. They're not going to be going for him. Other contenders, you know, it, it's 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 – that weird area between like you're enough of a contender for it to matter, but you can't already have two dominant receiving core because you're just not going to add them. There's only a few teams in there that fit, and I would say the one I think personally fits the best would be the Chargers. So mine's a little outside of what you're speaking about because if I sit what with the team I'm going to say, you're going to be like, um, that doesn't fit. Hear me out though. Okay. Uh, it has a young has a young quarterback, has a new head coach, fresh start. Um, the coach is not on that side of the ball. Uh, so I understand if you'd be like hesitant to say, I agree with you. Um, but Calvin, Calvin Ridley needs a new fresh start. Uh, and he needs a similar type of city 
to Atlanta where it's not a lot of pressure sports wise, because even though they appreciate their sports, they're not over the top. A la uh, New York, LA teams. Um, and when I say LA teams, I exclude football because for some reason it's mainly basketball for LA, but I'm looking at a town where they appreciate their sports teams, but they don't completely shoot all over them. Uh, or at least they don't shoot all over the, the, the players. But what I'm trying to get at Chris is the Chicago bears. Okay. Young, talented okay. quarterback. Um, Allen Robinson's going away. He's a free agent. He ain't coming back. No, no. Uh, Matt Eberflus is a defensive minded head coach. So maybe he will focus more on the defensive side of the ball and let the, the uh, general manager and the offensive coordinator kind of see what they want to bring in for talent. Uh, like you pointed out, it could be a second round pick with conditions, which I think would fit them. Um, and it, if it doesn't work out, they haven't given up a first round pick for him. And they, and then it, the, the head coach has time to figure this out with Justin Fields because they're going to figure it out with him. And I think if you give him a talent like Calvin Ridley, where you're not all in with him as your number one, but it's you're adding another talent. And if you pick him up and you draft another guy on, on in this draft with the first round pick, then maybe you compare them together and you build that talent around Justin Fields because that's what you need. He's such a dynamic player, but you need guys that can get open. And I think if you pair Calvin Ridley with another young, talented receiver from the draft, I think you've, you've given yourself a chance to build. That's just my opinion. I have I, I, I have a confession to make when it comes to Justin Fields, and I feel bad about saying this. I didn't see anything in the kid's body language last year that would indicate to me that he's anything close to what people thought he would be coming out of college. I have nothing against the young man. I truly don't. Uh, I wish him well, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't see him being a guy. I see him being a guy in three years who gets Mitchell Trubisky because he couldn't cut it in Chicago. I don't know. I'm not wishing bad on him. I'm just what I see on the field. You didn't see that fire, that emotion, that thing that you need, that that kind of you get a little bit pissed when you're not doing well. Everything for him was kind of just like, oh, ho-hum, this is what happens. Uh, so maybe change the coaching staff. It'll be exactly yeah. what he needs. It'll be fine. And, again, I hope I sit here at, at, at this point next year saying, wow, what a season field's at. I, boy, was I wrong. I wish him well. It seems like a really nice kid. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of nice people don't succeed yeah. in the NFL. So, I, I think I think we, 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 we pointed that out uh, beginning of last season, how they bungled that whole situation between uh, him and Andy Dalton. Yeah. And I don't think that – now you could, you could absolutely say, hey, that's a little character red flag that he wasn't able to overcome that. But you got to understand he was the guy at Ohio state for two straight years. He was the guy. Mm -hmm. He was the face of what you would call the franchise more than Ryan day was. Cause if you think college sports, it's more about the head coach 
not so much about the players because right. they're there for a longer period of time. Justin Fields was the face of Ohio State for two years. And I'm not trying to sell you on him, Chris, because you know my affinity for the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> um, it's about as much as the dirt on the bottom of your shoe. But as you pointed out, yeah, you're right. As you pointed out earlier about Zach Wilson, we got to see, Yeah, I say at least three years. At least three years, I think we can make a concrete argument about what, because some could say you saw flashes of Trevor Lawrence, but the situation for Trevor Lawrence was not great. No. And I'm not saying Matt Nagy's uh, was on the same plateau as uh, Urban Meyer, but was it close? Was it in the same universe? I would say, yeah. It it was it was kind of in that same realm of, boy, it was not a ideal situation for, for this kid. And and we've talked about Zach Wilson. It wasn't ideal for him. He should have had a backup veteran quarterback, a la Joe Flacco, starting the season. I mean, when I say start season, I mean beginning of training camp. He should have been there, as sort of that, you know, sounding board to to kind of guide that kid. That's what these young kids need. They need a Brian Hoyer in their ear every single day, kind of saying, this is what you need to do. Right. This is how you prove. Hey, forget that play. Move on. And that's why you saw progression from Mac Jones. And I think that's why you didn't see much progression from some of these other kids. Right. Because even though Andy Dalton is a veteran, even though Nick Foles is a veteran, would you argue that they were still trying to fight for a starting quarterback spot? Sure. Because there's still those guys. You know, yeah, Andy Dalton yeah. might have to have a coming to Jesus moment this offseason and be like, am I a starter or am I a backup now? Same with Nick Foles. Yeah. And that might be that time for them to say, well, either it's time for me to hang it up or take this new role mm-hmm. as, a, as a backup quarterback, kind of help this kid along, and maybe I make myself a new career when my time has come. And that's that's dude not for not for 100%. me to decide for no yeah but you're hundred percent right me, right so I I just think that's a possibility that these kids could grow even more if they have this veteran paired up with them that's just why, me why do you think teams keep signing Ryan Fitzpatrick right look he seems like a really fun guy like a cool dude don't get me wrong this is, none of this is anything personal but like he's not super talented on the field. I mean, compared to your everyday layman, he is. But compared to other NFL quarterbacks, he's not. He has some great games. Uh, where, you know, he has the two nicknames, Fitzmagic and then Picks Patrick. Yes. Because he either goes out there and has a stellar game, and the sky just opened up here, and it is snowing like the North Pole all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful view. I'm sitting here staring at the mountains with snow-covered mountains with snow coming down in the middle of nowhere and uh, somewhere in the hills of eastern or southeast, eastern New York. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I just look up and it's just snow pouring down. Um, but either has a, a, a stellar game or he throws five picks and he's out at halftime. Like he's not there to be the future of the team. He's there because while he doesn't necessarily do great on the field constantly, he knows the game. He knows the fundamentals a lot. Like, um, 
you know, uh, like Hoyer, like you just mentioned, Hoyer in New England. Hoyer in the field is garbage. And let's be real, he is not a good quarterback, talent-wise, on the field. However, he's a great coach and a great asset to a young player trying to learn because he knows how to do it. He just he's, doesn't do it on the field. I mean, that's why, like, like a guy, he's like a, a, a ta- really talented catcher in Major League Baseball if they ever play again. You know, not necessarily going to go up there. Some catchers are really good hitters, but few and far between dominant offensively. Most you get, you know what, maybe maybe a 200, 220 average, but you have the same guys getting that average for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and they're still employed, and they still play, you know, half the games, three quarters of the games per season because they know how to play the game. They know how to keep the flow of the game going. They know how to control their pitchers. They know how to adjust the defense. A lot of intangibles. You have to get, if you don't have the coach that can provide that for some of these young guys, you put a lot of draft stock in, you have to have that behind them on the depth chart. And if you don't, you just wasted a pick. You don't get Zach Wilson somebody, he's going to get exactly like Sam Darnold did. He'll be playing for another team in three years. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence will be a what could have been if this doesn't work out with Doug Peterson, although I really have high hopes for, for at least the Peterson-Lawrence relationship. That'll work out pretty well. I think Peterson's a good guy for him. Team overall, who knows? But, um, I mean, who knows with Trey Lance? I think we'll see this upcoming season because Jimmy G, I think, definitely gets dealt. He's a name I forgot to put on there, but I think he definitely gets dealt. We'll find out more about Trey Lance. I think, you know, with Mac Jones, um, there were some really good things we saw. I personally, more than what the, the play on the field, loved the personality. I love seeing him get fired up. I love seeing him care. I love seeing that energy for a guy who's normally pretty stoic other times. So that's what you look for. And that's what I mean with Justin Fields. We just didn't really see that at all. Well, and and Chris, do you think the difference between the head coaches, I think, honestly, on paper, are astronomical. But the approach is you had a veteran quarterback who could play, and you had your rookie who you drafted in the first round. And the subtle difference is Bill Belichick said, Mac Jones, you're the answer. Cam Newton, thank you. You got your 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 guaranteed money. Good luck. I hope you sign with somebody else. Matt Nagy said, oh, Andy Dalton, you're our starting quarterback. Justin Fields, you're going to sit down. And then they played this back and forth game where Bill Belichick didn't have that opportunity because he said, thank you, Cam. I appreciate what you did last year. I appreciate you coming in this year. I appreciate and I gave I gave you that guaranteed money, but I'm going to let you go because I want this kid to know this is his team. And that would be the dynamic that Matt Nagy could have taken, but he didn't. And now we see the you know the answer is Matt Nagy doesn't have a job anymore. Same in Baltimore. Baltimore got right. Lamar Jackson. Baltimore saw what they wanted from Lamar Jackson. Baltimore went all in on Lamar Jackson traded former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco because they knew Flacco wasn't the future and they knew he yep. couldn't be there getting in the way of the development of Lamar Jackson. Whether he meant to or not, it just would be. It'd be a distraction. He was smart enough. You know, the, the Ravens organization was smart enough to know that. You're going to see the same thing with Pittsburgh. It, it, they bring in somebody else. They bring in a young kid. You're not going to see a bunch of young people behind them. You're going to see them bring in somebody like Fitzpatrick or another veteran quarterback who can, you know, no disrespect, but hold the clipboard. And teach the other kid. Yeah, you know you're going to see a defined role. Belichick was not going to let Mac Jones get 
his head get convoluted with all these other ideas about maybe he's not good. Maybe you shouldn't be the starter. Maybe Cam's going to be in there next week. So he said, you know what? This kid is a bad game. I don't want him to wonder if he's our guy. He's our guy. He's our future. That's why we drafted him. I've seen enough. Cam's got to go. Max, our guy. And then the backups are the backups. Yep. That's what you got to do. And it, it yeah. can be scary, but the Bears got to cut bait with all these older quarterbacks and say, Fields is our guy. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride with Fields. If it doesn't work, we're gonna fail with Fields. But we're not gonna bring in three other quarterbacks who we're gonna tell him could potentially take his job from week to week. Because that is not going to foster an environment of learning and development for any quarterback. So it's you can't do it. And some could argue, Chris, that that, that that's kind of the dynamic that happened in Miami with the flirting with um, Deshaun Watson yeah, yeah. kind of affected Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I understand that. The whole year before, Tua and yeah. Fitzpatrick back and forth, back and forth. Fitzpatrick is doing great. Team looks like they're going to make a playoff a playoff run. Okay, so then they're bringing in Tua when he's healthy instead of just letting him sit out and, and learn a little bit in his rookie season. Yeah, define roles. Define roles. Yeah. The, the Chiefs did that with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they gave him one game. And they, they gave said, him one game, saw what they wanted right. to see. Same yep. thing the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. And then they said, yep. okay, Alex Smith, we appreciate what you've done. You've been good for our team. You're a good game manager, but Mahomes is our guy of the future. You mm-hmm. got to go. They shipped him out, built an offense around Mahomes, and it worked. You can't you can't do it half-assed. You got to do it all the way and go all in. And the, the thing that separates the, the schmucks from the great teams are the people who do it better because they know what they're looking for. Right, you can give credit to the Cardinals, even though we can see what's going on right now. You got to give credit to the Cardinals. Say we fucked up on the first overall pick with with Josh Rosen. Yes, we ejected him. We drafted Kyler Murray, and we went with Kyler Murray. Now we'll see what, how that ends. I will warn the 49ers, Do not repeat what some of these teams are doing. No. If you want Trey Lance to be your guy, move on. From Jimmy G, you know, uh, I guess the only the outlier would be uh, Jordan Love, because you still have a supremely productive quarterback right. in Aaron Rodgers. You could make that argument. Right. That was the same thing with Brett Favre. He was still productive even though you had Aaron Rodgers. It, it, it you just have to look at the whole situation, what you have incumbent, what you have as a young guy. And you have to make the decision where you're going to go. And unless that older guy, that veteran, is still highly productive, and the return of of the the return on investment of the rookie for that that first year will benefit you long term. Unless that's going to happen, you still want to stay with that veteran guy because he still has that production so high. And that's that's where we've seen so many head coaches kind of fall flat it's just you thought you needed to win with the veteran to keep your job i guess i could i could put it like this if you're coaching to lose to to not lose you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get fired yeah like you get you need to go and you need to say to the owner we're all in with this guy i think we can win with this guy let me show you what this kid can do and this veteran that that maybe will be enough productive we're going to move on from him and get some uh, compensation for him. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Ben, this is episodes like this are the exact reason when you ask me sometimes, like, hey, what are we going to talk about this week? 
hey, we're going to have enough content in the offseason. We've we got to develop some ideas. Like, I don't even ever worry about it. We just no. took one idea that was supposed to be a 10-minute segment, and we're going on like 45 minutes now. And I'm not complaining. I think it's good content. Yeah. But that's that's why I never worry when it comes to you and I discussing sports. We can take a, a small topic and, and, and hopefully be entertaining about with it and, and dissect it. And and here we go. There's a whole episode. We could have just done a whole episode on our, on our, on our top five there. So um, We still haven't talked about the Super Bowl yet. We have not. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I just said this before the last segment with uh, the, the, the five players might be on the move. Uh, I don't yeah. think the Super Bowl is a real deep dive topic. It's more of like a, a covering it. Uh, yeah. As everybody knows by now, the Rams won 23-20 to over the Bengals. I was surprised. I picked the Bengals by two scores. Uh, I really thought they were going to win. They looked, uh, you know, the Rams drove right down the field. First drive of the game. Then Beckham got hurt. And then uh, the... the That changed everything. It changed everything. And, and the Bengals were... You know, they were they were moving the ball pretty well. And they scored a touchdown. They take the lead right after the half. And then in the next possession, get a pick of Matthew Stafford in Rams territory. And I thought right there, that's where they were going to put it away. I thought I thought Burrow was going to go right over the top to Chase again. And they were just going to put the nail in a coffin right there. Credit to the Rams defense and Aaron Donald, who, you know, continues to prove why he's a monster. Um, You know, they... Burrow had no time. No, no. time. And I, I don't... Look, I'm not going to be one of those people who sits there and jumps on that you should have drafted the lineman because one lineman was not going to make the difference in that Super Bowl. That line was all over him. The Bengals have a super talented team and a super bright future and a team with great chemistry. If I was the Bengals' front office, I don't look at any other position this offseason. I shore up that offensive line. I take an exorbitant amount of offensive linemen in the draft couple free agents see who works better because you have a stellar young quarterback with swagger and attitude mm-hmm. in a good way a receiving core the exact same way a solid mm-hmm. enough defense and a really good running game you have everything you need just build the line build the line and you're going to be hoisting a Lombardi sooner than later but hats off to the Rams uh, it's cool yep. to see Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup get it um Aaron Donald, obviously, other players too. Uh, even even Beckham. I mean, Beckham's a loudmouth, but I mean, he's not a he doesn't do bad stuff off the field. I don't think he's a bad guy or nothing. Um, so it's cool to see some of those players get it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the parade was kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, and you're used to seeing, you know, that's no bearing on the team. That's just the LA fan base. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was it was an entertaining game. I I, I enjoyed it. it. It had kind of a weird flow to it. It did. A lot, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like it didn't. It didn't feel like the end was the end. It felt like in the fourth quarter, when uh, the <laughs> the Bengals were trying to make that last drive, like there was still half the game left. It, it, some some ways it felt like it was ten hours long. Other ways it felt like it was you know twenty minutes long. Uh, I do just want to point out, uh, much to the dismay of Bengals fans, if you've seen a clip yet of that final fourth and one play, Jalen Ramsey fell down. And Jamar Chase was yep. wide, wide open. open. I mean, it, the only people in that backfield, or excuse me, in that secondary, were Jamar Chase and a fallen down Jalen Ramsey. If Burrow had another second, Cincinnati's having a Super Bowl parade. So if you're Bengals front office, like I said, you look at that clip over and over and you tell yourself why, on top of the fact he got sacked, what, 11 times, you tell yourself, we got the future of our franchise. It's now. It's right now. It's not the future. It's now. 
get the people you need to protect him so you can take that next step. I, what I saw, Chris, is I guess what personifies the Bengals' season and why Joe Burrow was sacked the highest, I guess, is the guards. And especially their right guard, multiple plays. He was just a turnstile. I think I even texted that to you. Like, oh yeah. Or, or either I texted it to you or I tweeted it out. It's like he's just a turnstile. He's just he's just there to to hopefully give Joe Burrow an extra millisecond, which didn't happen really. Um, the only help he got, the only way that prevented it, uh, Aaron Donald from getting to him too much, was when they were able to slide the center over. To a system, and when the Bengals, uh, when the the Rams figured that out, they adjusted, and yeah. yeah, it didn't work out for them at all. So, focus your free agency on guards because I think that will uh, benefit you. Uh, Joe Tooney going to the Chiefs absolutely benefited the uh, Chiefs. It protected Patrick Mahomes more, which you know, end result wasn't what the Chiefs wanted, but. Uh, I think he was one of the highest grade um, guards in the league and I believe he got a pro bowl selection, which doesn't surprise me because we've seen what Joe Tooney can do with the Patriots. Oh, I think. Sorry. We got a little bit of breaking news here. What's that? The Pittsburgh Steelers have hired as a senior defensive assistant and linebacker coach, Mr. Brian Flores. Wow. So the Steelers once again, proving Uh, that they are one of the smarter teams in the league doing their due diligence and not being afraid to bring in somebody who might be in the league's bad graces. Although in this particular instance, it's not on Flores. It's not Flores' fault. Um, But yeah, great pickup. Great pickup. Sorry, keep going. I I wanted to get that out there before I forgot. But I think that's what the the Bengals need to to kind of focus on on, in free agency. And that will open up their draft, I think, in my personal opinion. And because we look at the tackles as the most important pieces, but um, as you see NFL defense lines being built nowadays, um, they are starting to build a lot more into out, uh, especially with the emergence of Aaron Donald being one of the most uh, game records uh, defense alignment in the game. The guard positions are where they need to focus on um, without going into the list of free agents. I think, that's kind of where they need to focus on. And if they do that, that will not only help their, their pass protection, but that'll also help their run blocking and, and open up that offense even more. And it'll be scary offense, to be honest. Uh, they only have a couple of years before Joe Burrow's uh, rookie contract is up. So yeah. this, this is the off season to make it happen, to try to get a Super Bowl in the next year or two. And, and we'll see what happens. And if you, you're waiting for that that next contract, you said that's going to go from, oh, wow, Mahomes was high to, oh, boy, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, got, you got Herbert and Burrow, who could be two very good candidates to perhaps do that. But All right. I believe that's going to do it for episode 164. If you have any questions, anything you've heard on this episode, past episodes, or sports-related in general, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. 
And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, subscribe and leave a rating and a review, and ask a friend or two to do the same. We greatly appreciate it. Until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Saturday. Thank you.